how can startups and large corporations collaborate to foster innovation? And are there startups who managed to actually surpass the imagination of scientists and innovate in ways that was until that point deemed as being impossible? Sit back and listen in. to a new episode of the Thesis Talks. Today we have two amazing guests, Sif and Laura. A big and warm welcome to you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having us. Of course, of course. Um, so you guys, Sif, you're from Denmark and Laura, you're from Finland, but you both travel here to study at CBS to study organizational innovation and entrepreneurship. And um, we want to really just start out with asking you about what you wrote about in your thesis. So your thesis topic um, is a bit hard to grasp, but we will walk through it now. <laughs> so you basically spend a lot of energy into investigating how startups um, and their creativity can actually play a crucial role in fostering circular economy in the pharmaceutical industry. Did I get that right? Yes, that is uh, 100% <laughs> correct. <laughs> so it is a Thank really, you so really much. Big, uh, topic. Um, and that is also why we divided into three sub-questions, because it is a, a very extensive question just by its own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Could you maybe just walk us through those research questions so step by step we can understand yes. um, what you actually did right there? Yes. So first, uh, we investigated what the opportunities and challenges of circular economy is in the farm industry. And then mm -hmm. further, we stepped into what kind of circular innovations created by startup already exist in the pharmaceutical industry that they could uh, benefit from. Mm -hmm. And then thirdly, we uh, looked at how creativity is fostered in order to develop innovative solutions. All right. So I'm hearing a lot of very interesting keywords right there. Um, maybe we can break them down a little bit to understand the topics. Um, so I'm hearing circular economy in, and pharmaceutical industry. Could you um, maybe quickly define what circular economy is? Okay, so basically um, we define circular economy as restorative and regenerative economy by its design. Uh, meaning that the raw materials will not become discarded as waste. And it's a closed loop economy. Um, so kind of like waste is used as a resource. Yeah, so instead of discarded after its end of life, you uh, gain the materials back, maybe even divide them up to, to the raw materials back, and then you can reuse them again in another function. So this can be done in all kinds of ways. So the Ellen MacArthur Foundation has created this butterfly model that has different levels of circular economy, where the outer layer is uh, recycle, which is the one that is well known to a lot, where the product is actually breaking break it down to the to the small small elements. So it's like the raw materials that are left, and then it's recreated again. There are different levels, so take, for example, the most sustainable one, it's maintain, where instead of breaking the materials down, you use or you make sure that the quality is good enough so the life 
of the product is longer, uh, so you don't have to always break it down and create a new one. Okay. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. Um, so you looked into the pharmaceutical industry in particular and and how you could foster innovation in that industry. Um, and how can you you chose to look at exactly that? Um, I mean, do they have a lot of innovation already, or is it more traditional uh, industry, or how's the like current level of innovation in the pharmaceutical industry? Uh, so basically, just going back to the very start, um, when we started this project, um, we had like a whole holy triangle um, of the elements that we wanted to be in the thesis. And these were sustainability, startups and creativity. And we did this thesis in collaboration with a sustainable consulting firm called the Green Innovation Group. And we wanted the thesis to be useful for someone. We didn't want to, we didn't want it to end up in a library covered in dust and no one looking at it again. Um, so we, um, I think we started contacting startups in the fall of uh, 2019, and we wrote we wrote this thesis in the spring of 2020, and then we. Yeah, we bumped into this really cool one and they actually suggested topics for us that they needed to um, get some research in, uh, wow. research input. And yeah. this was one of them. So they were suggesting um, for us to have a project in uh, circular economy in the pharmaceutical industry or in the in the mobility industry uh, or in the building industry, I think, uh, construction mm. industry or future of food. And they were suggesting all these kind of topics. And then we were kind of like, okay, we actually hate the pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> and <laughs> they're the bad guys <laughs> that just want more money. And uh, we want to see if there is something good that we could create in this industry so we chose to go with this one um yeah <laughs> wow that was also really quickly that you guys started contacting companies then if you already did it in the fall yeah we have to we have you have to get that out there really quickly if you want to collaborate with a company uh, so it was just about like networking and then randomly like we actually bumped into these guys and we instantly liked them and mm -hmm. it just yeah started a very beautiful partnership from there <laughs> uh, but it's like it's all about starting early because it takes a while and it takes a while to to agree on uh, what kind of partnership and uh, and how this can benefit uh, both parties mm. yeah mm. so start early yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's something we hear so often but we don't want to hear it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a good it's a really good advice actually it's all about it's all about talking to people you don't have to do yeah. like real work it's just networking <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah. so now you knew you would be dealing with the pharmaceutical industry which for you was kind of the bad guy at that point. Um, quick question, is it still the bad guy for you? Or did that image change? Uh, yeah. Well, they're not the worst guys, I would say. <laughs> I think it's not just 
you cannot just blame the pharmaceutical industry because it's also the societal structure that we live in and they just kind of play in that structure as well. But it is it is difficult because also an ethical dilemma that we met multiple times throughout this thesis was that the pharmaceutical is kind of the pharmaceutical industry is kind of sacred or we don't talk about how much the pharmaceutical industry pollute because they are saving lives. So we shouldn't mm. pressure them to also save the environment. Mm. And that's like a very it's it's it just doesn't work yeah. because they're saving the lives that live on this planet and that's great and we they keep on doing that and they are really great at it. But if they don't also look into the environment then there's no way the nowhere where the people can live in the future because mm -hmm. if you ruin the environment then there's no yeah yeah there is a very tough ethical dilemma with the pharmaceutical industry because basically they are like saving the lives of people now but they maybe will not be saving the lives of the future people because they there will be not a planet to live in and that's the sustainable foundation right yeah mm. That you also have to create the the same kind of living standards or the same kind of options that you do to people at the present, also to the people in the future, and this is kind of the dilemma that we uh, constantly meet in this in this uh, sector. Mm. Um, talking about sustainability, so now we have on the one hand, um, you worked with or you interviewed startups um, that have a circular economic uh, approach um, mm. that are innovative um, and then you want to find out how this innovativeness <laughs> this this uh, way of um, of working as well can foster in the pharmaceutical industry um, how did you go about it what was the next steps and um, what did you what did what were your your outcomes okay so as we also learned in OIE in order to solve a problem we need to understand it first so that was the the initial intention so we first uh, tried to investigate the pharmaceutical industry and what kind of sustainability challenges the pharmaceutical uh, industry possesses so that is kind of like non-renewable raw materials hazardous waste and like lack of awareness and all that sort and then we kind of looked looked into circular economy and what kind of challenges Uh, of implementing circular economy would give um, and then further again what kind of opportunities circular economy could give the pharmaceutical industry mm -hmm. and then we started to map out these startups that had uh, that we've been given from green innovation group so yeah initially there was like 400 startups And we broke it down to 184 startups that were either directly or indirectly related to the pharmaceutical industry. And mm -hmm. here we talk only about startups, so not bigger companies, but only young and uh, not very big companies. And then we mapped them into four different categories. First, we wanted to understand what kind of sustainable uh, challenge they addressed what kind of circular economy opportunity they tapped into, what the level of circular economy they operated in, 
and then kind of what um, area of uh, product or operation uh, operation they were in, yeah. Um, and that gave us kind of a, a map, or yeah, of of the of what was going on right now, and we could see what kind of tendencies um, existed. And for example, like a really interesting finding was that a lot of the startups was working with recycling, which is also the, or at least for, for my uh, knowledge, the most known part of circular economy, because it kind of supports the the current financial structure of the of our system, right? So if we talk about like the mo the least um, present categories in our data was, for example, maintenance share, yeah? because that kind of disrupts our whole financial economy, and it's harder to tap into that market because it's not fully developed yet, and it's still like super new, and we're still trying to figure out how it can work. Um, yeah. Okay, so when you say maintain and share, that's the whole like um, sharing uh, cars or um, like what what's what does that category cover? So it covers that the product as it is does not change, but yeah, for example, sharing the cars because the cars does not change if it's either mm. me who use it or you who use mm. it. It could also be just. Uh, me having a computer and then I give it to you because I don't have like I don't use it anymore but it has to be in the same form and not be breaking down and built up again okay so you saw that the startups they were good at this and the pharmaceutical industry they were not really doing any of these um, no not really. <laughs> uh, what we saw was sorry it's so uh, yeah it's super complex but there was not a lot of startups who worked in this field of maintain share uh, because it's really hard to brand and to create these products that is so uh, disruptive uh, and different from the current system that we live in right now mm. um, so for startups who created recycled product it was it's easier for them because they're kind of aligned with the current financial structure and also supports the linear economy that we just yeah. buy the product and then we throw it away so it's easier for the startup to create a business around recycling the product that has been thrown away rather than kind of like, well, reinventing the economy and the model with um, with reusing a product or mm. maintaining a product because, yeah, that's a different way of economy working. Yeah, and it's a whole other system. Like there's no infrastructure for sharing. Like it's it's upcoming and it's, being created now but it's still so common for us that if we need anything we go to the store and buy it hmm. uh, and what we buy is a new product and it's not like sometimes you can do recycled but often it will be brand new and that's kind of the, our mentality that's our normal way of living and disrupting that can be extremely difficult mm -hmm. but that's what needs to happen yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but um, basically so when we got that big chunk of data and we filtered it and we mapped it and saw in what areas and what elements the different uh, circular startups had. After that, we chose 10 um, different startups and we tried to get like startups that are very uh, different from each other. And then we contacted them and set up an, an interview. 
Okay. Okay, I'm, I would actually like to um, dive a little bit into um, what we just talked about with how um, what the interplay is between large companies and smaller startups. Um, because I think most of us, we know, we are aware that there are some very prominent dissimilarities between the two, like um, the size of the organizational chart and the, the communication internally and the hierarchical layers and often also the length and the time there is from thought to action. Um, and like you said, you interviewed 10 different startups and you also interview three representatives from three large companies. Is that correct? Yeah, three large pharmaceutical companies, Novo Nordisk, Johnson Johnson and Coloplast. Perfect. Okay, so so what did you actually see as some of the similarities between the startups and the large corporations? Yeah, so so the reason why we initially did these interviews were also because the argument for like disrupting the whole system in order to do that we need creativity right we need new ways of mm. thinking mm. and then like been studying OIE and really keen on entrepreneurship and startups we th- thought like okay they must be the savers so we asked them like what motivates you because a key element to creativity is intrinsic motivation so the motivation that comes from inside So we asked them about their motivation. We asked them about the challenges they saw, the opportunities they saw within circular economy in the pharmaceutical industry. And we asked basically the same questions for the start, uh, for the big corporates. And like super interestingly, we found that uh, the startups were very intrinsically motivated. So they had like this drive, this passion. There was a reason why they did the work they did. A lot of them It went down in salary when they start in, started in the startup because mm-hmm. it kind of had other values that were more important to them than just giving the, getting the paycheck. Mm. So the argument is that if you're intrinsically motivated, you are able to be more creative. And these startups are creative as they create no, totally novel and new ways of like products or services in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, It's really hard to combine or like to compare the startups and the corporates because we only interviewed three large uh, corporates and 10 uh, startups. Uh, but what we found was that it seemed like the, the larger corporates was also intrinsically motivated. It's hard to know if like it's really it's, it, it's going into psychology and we're not able to answer the right questions in order to get the, the right answers. Right. But we could hear that the corporates were a bit more putting a bit more weight on their salary and that they also like the financial security uh, in their job uh, and it's clear that those corporates would get more money or the corporate representatives would get more money in salary than than the representatives from the from the startups so that was an interesting finding but we cannot really sh- show it uh, too much because we should have interviewed more uh, companies in order to to make it clear okay okay but you said that they the the some of the employees in the larger corporations they also actually did have some of this intrinsic motivation that you saw a lot in the startups uh yes so basically we were maybe surprised a little bit because we had this attitude of the big bad pharma um that the pharmaceutical employees They understood perfectly 
that the world needs to move on to a more sustainable economy and more sustainable lifestyle. They wanted it themselves and they were also looking for the answers. But they also understood that when we talked to them and we asked about how they see startups and it was very interesting to see how open they were to collaborate, the startups and also the large uh, pharmaceutical companies. They both understood that they need each other in order to get these innovations out there, in order to implement these green, greener solutions um, to the big companies. Because the, the startups were seen as more agile, having this open innovation, having creativity and creating something new to the market. But then the large companies were seen as having actually the assets and financial means and expertise and power to scale up these innovations. So I think it was nice to see how uh, both of the sides kind of like saw how they needed to collaborate in order to, you know, get forward with this uh, more sustainable world. But they were also very open to it and like looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Did you actually see those collaborations happening? Did the large companies that you uh, interviewed already establish those collaborations or um, some sort of hubs to foster this kind of innovation? Yeah. Uh, so the reason why we also chose this topic was that Green Innovation Group at that time was having another project with Novo Nordisk, um, where Novo Nordisk wanted to go zero waste. And they had scouted five startups that they did um, this kind of like accelerator program with. Um, so we were writing our thesis while that happened. So we knew that Novo Nordisk was already doing this. And we talked about it with the representative. And also, I, if I remember correctly, Johnson & Johnson said they were also working with startups. And Coloplast was also saying they already working with startups. Hmm, okay so there's hope <laughs> there there is hope and it's like the open innovation uh, yeah and quickly to clarify open innovation is when you look for innovation outside your own company it's like gaining more and more traction in all markets and and also in the pharmaceutical market but what we also saw as a as a challenge because we studied creativity a lot is that these members of the startups was especially creative because they had these agile uh, flexible um, environments and which is not as like it, it just can't be created in the same way in big corporates that's just how it is because the state of the company is in just in two different levels so the co collaboration between the big pharma companies and the startups is very crucial but also how they do it is really important because if the big pharma companies and the startups have a too close collaboration there is the risk that the startup will lose the creativity because it will be killed by the bureaucratic system that the big pharma company has so like that balance of how close the collaboration should be is is really really interesting so you could almost write a new thesis about that yes you could you could we've recommended that <laughs> Hmm. Um, you also wrote, or I read in your thesis, that um, 
or you stated, startups focused on circular economy that you investigated um, have actually created some solutions that had been thought to be impossible before. Um, do you have some examples of those solutions that people didn't think would be possible, but actually they showed they actually were? Did you get those insights? Yeah, so I remember this one really... Okay, I remember two very clearly. So the academics said that there's no possible way to clean wastewater totally. So to take all the hazardous waste, all the chemicals out of the wastewater 100%. And there was one startup who did that. And then there's also this startup who took oil-based plastic and put it through a non-polluting process and and the product was a totally biodegradable product and that's just in my head i know that i'm a business student but in my head taking an oil-based non-biodegradable product and putting it through a process so it becomes biodegradable is just so crazy and so brilliant in my head that why why isn't it out in the world already <laughs> yeah that's a very good question Uh, another thesis topic yes. that we take out of this. We have many. You can just hit us. Yes. Like we have so many uh, new yeah. thesis. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on a little bit to something else. Um, we wanted wanted also to ask you guys about the process of writing the thesis. Um, how was the whole experience for you guys? Was it a, a a positive experience or a negative experience, or did you you know did you learn a lot, or was it just really stressful or how how was your experience of the whole um, writing process of the thesis I think it was all of that <laughs> <laughs> no no uh, it was a very positive experience in the end and I think we both learned a lot uh, from ourselves um, I love how you say it was a positive experience in the end <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we did have some stressful moments Yeah. Um, but I would say that the most important thing about our collaboration was that because we're good friends, so we were able to communicate and talk. So whenever um, the other one was feeling stressful or something else, we could talk it through and we could do, okay, what should we do that you, what would make you feel better? So mm -hmm. I think it's very important that you know that you can talk through everything with your partner because um, there's going to be some stressful moments. Yeah. yeah. I remember this like because, okay, so the whole process has been basically online uh, yeah. because Laura has been in, in Ireland and in Helsinki and I've been based in Copenhagen. Uh, and we have visited each other and, and all also that. Also because But Corona I, happened. <laughs> yeah, Corona. And then I just remember this one day or this one time because we have been really good at communicating and I think it's been like as good as it can be, definitely. But there was this this particularly hard part of the thesis that was super stressful for both of us. And without communicating we just decided that we're not gonna have a video call today because we're just gonna text about it because that's just better for today because <laughs> i don't know we usually ended up talking through video call with like like i don't know maybe four hours per day 
And this day, like maybe it was even a couple of days, we just didn't want to see each other's faces. <laughs> we were <laughs> so sick of each other. Yeah. So that was the positive <laughs> thing of doing it online. But then like it was just a couple of days and we got over it and everything is good again. <laughs> In the end, our friendship survived. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's the most important part because that lasts a lot longer than this thesis. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> It's nice. So overall, the collaboration between the two of you was uh, a really good experience. Yeah, but maybe one other thing that just popped into my head was that um, maybe you want to be when you start collaborating with someone else or when you start thinking about who you should collaborate with. I think you should be very aware of what are your strengths and weaknesses and partner up with someone that has different strengths and weaknesses, because mm -hmm. I think what made this uh, thesis a very good one was that we actually had very different strengths. So sometimes Sif was pushing me on the other way, and then sometimes I was pushing the other way. And then in the end, it just worked out very well. I think, I think what Laura, like Laura is extremely good at formulating herself and like being clear to the point and going into details. We always have these really big thoughts and philosophical th thoughts, and Laura just... Like she reads my mind and puts it down on paper in a way yeah. I just don't get how she can do it. And I would love to have that skill. But now I know like how important that is to have that skill. And uh, yeah, it was just it worked so well between the two of us because we complemented each other that well. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, so we're we're moving towards the end. Um But maybe you could, um, if there were any, um, what were your biggest like fuck ups or mistakes that you made throughout the whole process? Um, did are there any that you just come to mind where you were like, okay, this was really a fuck up? Well, as you can maybe hear from this <laughs> thesis podcast, was the complexity of this thesis. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that I. <laughs> If I could tell my future self who was just starting this process, I would say, okay, make it simple uh, mm. for yourself. Yeah. Mm. I'm also thinking that because I think Laura and I are both pretty ambitious and wanted to, as Laura also said earlier, make a thesis that is used in the future and not just being put in the library and collects dust. So we had a, like, we struggled a bit uh, with starting everything and this making decisions so i actually think like we started early we started in january and february and i think we only started writing anything down in the end of february because we just wanted to gain more knowledge we wanted to read more articles because we wanted the perfect answers to all the questions and that uh, made our process a bit stressful in the end because sometimes the process is also just about writing getting things done, making decisions, even though you don't know everything. Because if you read 10 articles about a subject, you are an expert. You don't need to read 25. That's yeah. a really good, really good shout out. <laughs> <laughs> good. And it's very nice because you actually um, took ahead, Laura, one of our questions because we wanted to ask you what kind of advice you would give yourself at the beginning of the process. And now you already told your younger you <laughs> um, <laughs> to not overcomplicate it, maybe, um, to sometimes take the easy road, as I understand it. Uh, Sif, do you want to add anything to this? I think 
like give space to your thesis partner as well (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like um making sure that you create a space where you both blossom and don't be too tied up uh like just trust the process like really trust the process and everything will work out fine and remember to take some days off because that's just important because you still need to have a life (laughs) yeah balance is the key you can work hard but then you have to give yourself time to play hard as well yeah Mm. true awesome um before i ask you who you would recommend us to talk to i just want to make sure um i know the thesis topic is super complex um and we talked a bit about we touched on your content um but i wanted to ask you if you want to wrap up some of the um, takeaways or some of the findings that you had, maybe something you would write down in the results part um, for the listener to take away on the topic, if you can. Just want to make sure we're not missing out on a on an important finding. So I want to take like a step back and say and. And even though we only investigated the pharmaceutical industry, I'm sure that this is true for for all industries. But in order to transform the system into a circular economy, like it's just an extremely complex task. And all the challenges that we have now, it's not because of one specific company. It's all of us. It's the whole system. So in order to tackle that uh, and to create a truly circular society we need to first of all have the information to do so and second of all have the motivation to act on it and third of all create partnerships because we need to stand together it needs to be the policymakers it's the consumers it's the ngos it's the companies it's all all stakeholder in this uh, challenge needs to come together and uh, act out what they do best in a collective way. Yes, exactly. I think implementing circular economy in the pharmaceutical industry, but also in other industries is definitely doable, but one player cannot do it by themselves. Mm. Like startups cannot do them, cannot do, startups cannot do it, but also the large corporations cannot do it. By themselves so mm. collaboration is the key awesome that's that's a really cool um wrap up and roundup um one final almost final question for you um if you could recommend us to talk to someone of your friends who has written about an interesting topic or had an interesting process who would it be i think if you had an answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would say our very good friend johanna Dervik. She is. She started up uh, partnering up with on, one of our other friends. It ended up not working out, so she had very limited time to finish her thesis because she actually had a job waiting for her, so she had to finish it. She wrote a thesis about mergers and acquisitions uh, of Danish startups, free Danish startups, and the positive and the negative side of that. And she's just super badass, and I have no idea how she did all of that work all by herself in such a short amount of time. Yeah, she's a superhero. 
Yeah, she truly is. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, actually, I think that was almost it. So um, thank you guys so much for taking your time to talk to us and to uh, to give us some insights to your process and your topic and, and whatnot. So thank you so much for, for that. Thank you for thank inviting you guys. us. It was our pleasure. Yeah. Thanks. Good. Good to hear that. Um, in the end, we just want to ask you guys to do one last thing, um, which, which is just to give your own Oscar speech to <laughs> the people or the things or whatever that help you through this uh, difficult uh, thesis time. So I'm just handing you guys the Oscar award and then you can, uh, or the thesis <laughs> award, um, and then you can just uh, take it away with your Oscar speech. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, everybody. <laughs> um, I wanna I wanna first of all say the biggest thank you of all to my the greatest thesis partner in the entire world, Laura, and for like dealing with me throughout this crazy process and the ups and downs, and for create making and baking this amazing blueberry pies when we needed sugar the most. That was just excellent <laughs> oh you make me cry <laughs> i mean it uh, but thank you thank you sif my amazing partner who just pushed us forward when we didn't want to <laughs> when we didn't want to be pushed but needed to be pushed but i also want to give a shout out to um lasse from green innovation group and I think we need to link this thesis episode for him to hear because he has been our mentor and yeah, he's our been just guy. so, yes, our spiritual leader supporting us during this whole crazy process and just always being there and giving us advice. And yeah, yeah he was awesome. And, and also we should never forget all the startups there fighting the current financial system making disruptive innovation and just yes. kicking ass and trying to change the world for the better because they they are the ones who are going to be the leaders of this big change. Yeah, we want to thank the startups. Yeah. They're making this world a better place. Definitely. And they're just amazing people. Like I can't imagine that they all took their precious time to talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Thank you guys so much. <laughs>